Good morning, good afternoon, Richmond. It's 12 noon, and I'm AWOD here on the new Sports Radio 910 The Fan. Now, at 105.1 FM, it is Thursday, February 15th, live and local here in the 804, and available for free on the Odyssey app. The Atlantic 10 Conference standings had a major shakeup last night with UMass coming to the Robin Center and defeating Richmond. The loss drops the Spiders from first place in the A-10 to third, Loyola Chicago, and Dayton jump up to a tie for first place, while the Rams of Virginia Commonwealth University sit pretty at four, but within striking distance. Now, the Rams truly control their own destiny with road games left against Dayton and University of Richmond, and VCU will hold the tiebreaker based on head-to-head their victory over Loyola Chicago. It's a Thursday, so we'll go inside the Ramhorns, presented by the Red Door guys. And today, we've got a special guest. Point forward, white magic, as our buddy Ed Nixon calls him. Magic Johnson for this year's VCU Rams. The transfer from Utah State followed Coach Ryan Odom to VCU. The product of Australia, Sean Bearstow, the bear. Yes, Chef. Thank you, Chef. Joins AWOD Radio today at 1 p.m. Special guest, VCU basketball captain, Sean Barristow, today at 1 p.m. You don't want to miss it. But you guys know how we like to start the show every day by catching you up on anything you might have missed around the sports world with the Sports app. Here it is, everybody. Clearly, this is the future. Stats, scores, highlights. Whoa, are you serious? Wi-Fi plus 3G, 64K. This one, this one. The Sports app. And we have to begin with the terrible story out of yesterday's Super Bowl parade. A crowd of estimated 800,000 people gathered for the Chiefs' rally to celebrate their Super Bowl 58 win yesterday. Well, gunfire erupted west of Union Station. Children's Mercy Kansas City Hospital treated 12 total victims from the shooting, which included 11 children between the ages of of 6 and 15 and unfortunately one death one person did pass away Kansas City Police Chief Stacy Graves said at the press briefing yesterday that the 800 law enforcement officers were at the parade rally commenting that the people who came to this celebration should expect a safe environment now the report is that it was not Terrorism or homegrown terrorism, anything like that. It was a dispute between several people that ended in gunfire, but it's just so sad. A total of 23 victims now dealing with injuries, one deceased. Uh, just terrible story out of Kansas City. I mean, I can't believe this happened. Uh, it just ruined all the fun and excitement there from the Chiefs celebrating and Travis Kelsey getting hammered. And I, I just. I, I feel for all the Chiefs fans who wanted to go and, and celebrate with their their favorite players on their favorite team and had to run for cover. It's just a terrible situation. Uh, Missouri Governor Mike Parson said, the people who came to this celebration should expect a safe environment. Um, while no motive has been established, authorities said late yesterday that they believe it was a criminal action and not intended to be terrorism said that they would remain investigating this and uh, we will let you know if we have any more details but just a terrible situation there in Kansas City at their Super Bowl parade 
Uh, Commanders fans, though, in the NFL, you'll get your first chance to hear from offense coordinator Cliff Kingsbury and your new defense coordinator, Joe Witt. That'll be today at 2.30 for their introductory press conference from Ashburn. Let's move over to the NBA on the sports app. Jason Tatum and the Boston Celtics stay hot, and Joe Mazzulla in his second season hits 100 wins as a head coach, becoming one of the youngest coaches in the history of the NBA to get his 100th career win as the Celtics defeat the Nets 136-86. to Yeah, that's a 50-point win, and here's Tatum for three, and the call on 98.5 The Sports Hub. Rebound number four for Tatum. They'll go along with 12 points and six assists. You'll see a lot of Jordan Walsh tonight, I'll tell you that. Tatum step back in the corner for a three. It's good. Pistons and Suns. Pistons win 116 to 100, but the story of the game was the altercation before the game. All right, so this took place Wednesday night between the Pistons and the Suns, and the details aren't, you know, are kind of confusing here. What we've heard from Sham Sharni of The Athletic, he reports that Pistons big man Isaiah Stewart somehow ran into Sun Center Drew Eubanks in the stadium, not on the court, before the game, and swung and hit Drew Eubanks with a cheap shot punch. He was then ejected, not able to play in the game. They went chest to chest before the swing, and he connected with his face. So both those players missed the game. And then in the game, you had Devin Booker get ejected early in the game. It's just a weird situation there. Uh, security intervened, and Stewart was out with an injury anyway. But, of course, now he will probably get suspended for a few games. Uh, but Kevin Durant hits this shot for two as the Suns go on to win 116-100. to And the call on KMVP. Durant inbounding on the near side. Gets it to Nurkic. Gets it back at the semicircle. Fades and hits. Kevin Durant, another bucket from the mid-range. He's Little Washington Wizards action here on the sports app. They lose to the Pelicans 126-133. But Denny Avdia had a career-best 43 points. Denny Mandia, Avdia on fire last night. Uh, he just couldn't miss from the outside. He was driving to the basket. And Chris Miller said after the game, the Wizards may have lost, but a star was born in New Orleans. His name, Denny Avdia. Let's hear some of the clips. Unbelievable. Avdia buries a triple. And a four-point game. Avdia. Nice finish. Denny Avdia is playing strong. Jones. Avdia gets it. See, he just does a great job of reading the situation. Avdia. That's way too easy. Yeah, and he's playing, though, with a lot of force. Right. He's aggressive now. Let's move over to soccer here on the Sports App. As the Champions League returned this week, round of 16 action, and yesterday he had a pair of decent games. PSG takes down Real Sociedad behind a 58-minute goal from Kylian Mbappe. They go on to win 2-0. And then Bayern Munich against Lazio was a really interesting game. So Bayern suffers a red card, goes down to 10 men after Upen Meccano gets kicked out with a red card on a bad tackle. Lazio scores, 
to win one nothing. That's your final score here in the first leg of the round of 16. Bayern will have to come from behind in two weeks when they face off again. Here's the call of the Ciro Immobile goal. Yellow card for Kimmich. This is Lazio's biggest penalty of the season. Immobile beats Neuer. Lazio 1, Bayern Munich 0. Listen to that Roman noise. That was a huge goal and a huge win there for Lazio. Europa League round of 32 action today. A couple good matchups. I'll be checking out Roma against Feyenoord. And so AC Milan against Rennes also at 3 p.m. The Premier League returns on Saturday with your headliner matchup being Manchester City against Chelsea. That's at 12.30 p.m. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. Let's talk a little hockey, some puck talk on the sports app. Every day on the sports app, we track Alex Ovechkin's hunt for history as he has been on fire. Six goals in the last six games. Caps face off against the Canadians February 17th. But uh, Ovi on this hot streak has all of the nation talking about the Ovi tracker once again and his chase for greatness. Hunt for history trying to track down the great one Wayne Gretzky's career 894 goals. Ovi now needs 58 to tie Gretzky 59 to become the greatest goal scorer in the history of the NHL sitting at 836 career goals with five here in the month of February. Don't go anywhere. Don't touch that dial. You're listening to AWOD on the fan. We've got Dave Riggert at 1230. Talk a little JMU hoops. We've got Sean Barristow at 1 p.m. And then we'll talk a little NBA and hype up the All-Star Weekend from Indianapolis at 2.30 on the fast break with AWOD. Don't want to miss it on the fan. Welcome back. What up, what up, what up? It's AWOD here on the new Sports Radio 910 The Fan. Now at 105.1 FM, Richmond's home for VCU basketball. And the Rams hit the road today for their matchup at St. Louis tomorrow night. You can hear it right here on 910 The Fan with the extended pregame coverage starting at 6.15 before I hand it off to Robbie Robinson and Rodney Ashby. Power forward and captain Sean Barstow will join the program today at 1 p.m. It's going to be a ton of fun. I went over to the Basketball Development Center yesterday after the show. Stubb was back here on the board, and and we sat down and talked to Sean Barstow for about 25 minutes all about his decision to transfer to VCU. I thought it was really cool asking him about the first time he ever met Max Sholga, and, and he had a message to Ram Nation that he believes he's a much better shooter than you've seen so far this season. So if you've been a fan of the Bear, uh, I think the best is yet to come later this season. We'll go around the NBA on the fast break with AWOD. I'm starting to get a little bit excited for the All-Star festivities this weekend. Uh, Look, it's not going to be as cool as it was when I was a kid, but I do love Mac McClung. I think it's weird he's not in the NBA, but he'll be trying to go back-to-back as champion at the dunk contest, so that'll be fun going around the NBA at 2.30. Jonathan Spires from Richmond Business Sense had a, a really good article on an update 
for the diamond. If you have a question for Jonathan Spears, you can always tweet us at AWOD Radio or at 910thefan or call in 833-804-0910. We want to get to the bottom of when the development for the diamond district, when they will get the damn shovels in the dirt. We're hoping to get that answer today from Jonathan at 2 p.m. But right now, let's do a little Commander's Talk. It's time for the Commander's Corner. So ESPN has a really good article today. They say the biggest question for all 32 NFL teams this offseason. And for Washington, it's which quarterback will they target to be their new starter? With John Kime, longtime Commander's reporter for ESPN, saying... Washington hired a new general manager, Adam Peters. And let me just say, I love Adam Peters, and it's not just because his name is Adam, but I believe this is a guy here that is ready to be a GM and lead a franchise to becoming a dynasty. He has had so many successful stops, won a Super Bowl in New England, won a Super Bowl in Denver, hasn't won a Super Bowl with San Francisco, but got to two of them with the roster that he helped build. Adam Peters decides to go with the leader of men. Who's that? Head coach Dan Quinn gets a second chance opportunity in the NFL after he led the Falcons to the Super Bowl but had the worst defeat in NFL history, losing a 28-3 lead to the New England Patriots. After that stop in Atlanta came to an end, he moved over to Dallas and for the last three years was very successful as the team's defensive coordinator. Well, now he comes to Washington. We'll hopefully shore up the defensive side of the ball. But the problem? The commanders still need a quarterback. Kime writes that the commanders hold the number two overall pick in the upcoming NFL draft, which means they could stay put and likely choose between Jaden Daniels at LSU and Drake May at North Carolina. Or they could explore moving into the top spot to take Caleb Williams out of USC. Stubb, what is my favorite option? Is to take Caleb Williams. I I will bang on this table every day for the commanders to take Caleb Williams. I just promise you guys he's going to be a star in this league. I've put my NFL quarterback evaluation status on the line. I will never talk a quarterback again if Caleb is not a pro bowler within his first five years. So I believe the best way for this franchise to become a contender in the next few years is for Caleb to be our quarterback. Maybe Drake May works out. Maybe Jaden Daniels works out. I think those guys are bigger risks than Caleb Williams. I believe he's the star of this year's draft. Kime would go on to say, if the pick is even up for sale, and even bigger, if they feel like parting with the necessary draft capital to move up a spot. That's why a lot of people don't like the move to go out and get Caleb Williams. Might not end up giving up too much. We've already made that mistake when we gave up Five or seven draft picks to move up in 2012 to draft our Robert Griffin III. RG3 lasted about nine games here in Washington before he broke apart, broke to pieces. Uh, Kime would go on to say, a seemingly less likely option, if they don't like the quarterbacks enough, would be to sign a free agent. Let him compete with the incumbent Sam Howell. Stubb, who do you want them to sign? Kirk. You or want Dobbs. Kirk Cousins 2.0. I think you need to cool it with the Dobbs talk here. But uh, I, I understand your, your take on Kirk Cousins. The one thing that's holding me back on Kirk is that he's coming off of a major injury. And I get it. Like Aaron Rodgers thought he could come back during the same year from the same injury. And, the, you know, you have improvements with doctors and surgery to mm-hmm. repair that injury. But it's not like he's going to come back 
and be 100% right away. I think he's going to have to work his way back, and I don't know if you want him trying to learn a new offense while also rehabbing. Um, so that's an option there. Uh, then the Commanders could also trade back, acquire more draft picks, so that they can try again in 2025. But with the number two overall pick and decades-long need for a starting quarterback, a stable quarterback situation, it's hard to imagine the Commanders pass on a quarterback. That was from John Kime of ESPN. And that's why I'm at 95%, even moving towards 96%. The Commanders end up drafting a quarterback in the first round. Even if they trade back, I think we end up with like a Michael Penix or a Bo Nix. I just don't see that happening. Like, look, maybe I'm reading too much between the lines here. When there's smoke, there's fire. But they hired Cliff Kingsbury, who worked with Caleb Williams last year. Yeah. He's known as a quarterback whisperer. He works, has worked with a ton of successful quarterbacks when they were young. Talking about Baker Mayfield, talking about Patrick Mahomes, even Johnny Manziel and Kyler Murray. So you bring in a guy like Cliff Kingsbury, I think everybody should assume, and I get it, you make an ass out of you and me, but I think we can all safely assume they're going to pair Cliff with a rookie quarterback. You don't bring in Cliff and then also trade for Kirk or sign Kirk Cousins. And that that makes sense. And I know they're going to make the right choice. They just they got their assistant GM now too, right? You yes. saw that, yeah. Yep. And he's and, and he's a legend. It seems people are very excited about uh, Lance. He's a legend because he apparently studies draft film for hours and hours. You got to love that. I mean, that's what that's yeah, what's so cool about bringing in Adam Peters and the staff that he's brought in to fill out the front office, and then the staff that Dan Quinn has brought in is terrific. We'll go through that later today. I mean, they they got William Gay, who was a corner that I loved for a long time with Pittsburgh. He's going to be you know defensive backs coach. We're putting together an all star staff, which was part of the reason why I like Dan Quinn because of his connections. It's the same thing with Adam Peters, who has a lot of really good connections in this league. And, and Peters is known for drafting and developing talent. And so the assistant GM that they end up getting is, is a guy that is highly regarded as a, a sharp NFL mind that can spot talent. Yeah, we're drafting a quarterback. We're That's, drafting a quarterback. It seems like we got the guy to, to find yeah. the guy. The interesting thing this offseason, though, is let's just say they draft Caleb Williams. He ends up being a 10 out of 10. The commanders don't win it that many games next year unless they hit with the other five pricks in the first 100 because we just have so many holes you can't have you can't expect Caleb to have success behind the exact same offensive line that we've had it's garbage I I want to replace four of the five guys I mean I just I don't like the offensive line at all so I don't expect Caleb to have success unless they hit on some offensive linemen as well then you look at the defensive side of the ball I'm not trusting Benjamin St. Just to make a, a big leap in his game this season I'm not trusting Derek Forrest to be a star. I think we need to draft a cornerback, draft a safety, and then you have to try to re-sign Cam Curl. And, you know, speaking with Michael Phillips about this last week, the best option to keep Cam Curl at a reasonable rate might just, might just be a one-year, you know, franchise tag of $15 million because I don't think you want to give him $15 million a year over the next three years. It's probably not worth that much, but put him on a one-year prove-it deal as you try to build up the defensive side of the ball. And then there's trades, right? I mean, the biggest question for the commanders this offseason, number one is the quarterback. To me, number two is, will they end up trading Jonathan Allen or not? He's been the face of the defense for the past four years and a pro bowler, but at the end of the year, he kind of blew up and and, and 
The fan base questioned his desire to stay in Washington. Now, he did walk back those comments and say, look, I started something here. I want to build here and be successful here in Washington. But he has a very tradable contract if the Washington Commanders want to stockpile more first-round draft picks. If you want to chime in, phone lines are open 833-804-0910. That's 833-804-0910. Don't go anywhere. I'll be right back. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. So I mentioned it in the opening segment. I was watching the Spiders against UMass last night. The game took place here in Henrico at the Robbins Center as UMass came to town and got a huge win uh, really big win there for the Minutemen, uh, and great for uh, second-year coach Frank Martin getting that win. As they're going to compete for a top-four spot here, and that really uh, puts an emphasis on the VCU matchup against UMass next Tuesday. But the Rams have to take care of business on the road against St. Louis tomorrow night. You can hear that game right here on 910 The Fan. But the James Madison Dukes are... Up to third place in the Sun Belt, winners of four straight, 22-3 and three on the season. And joining us right now on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline, play-by-play voice of the James Madison Dukes, Dave Rigert. What's going on, Dave? Hey, Wad, bud. How you doing? I'm doing good, man. So let me, let me start with this. Do, do you think that the early season success that JMU had, you know, the win against Michigan State, close win against Radford, and some of those out-of-conference games has helped them kind of rebound after you know the two losses to Appalachian State? Yeah, I think that that's part of it. I think the biggest part of it is this is just a veteran team. And in college basketball, again, it's changed a little bit the last few years, but this is a team that will honor seven seniors on Saturday during Senior Day. So they've got a veteran team that has, they've played a lot of basketball. Um, it's a pretty connected team. So I think that they just a lot of the guys have talked about we just want to win uh, they've been in college for a while they've scored points they've got rebounds they've had assists they've done what they needed to do statistically and now they just want to win do whatever it takes to win you see that from a guy like noah friedel who's averaging the most rebounds he's ever averaged in his career um, the most assists he's ever averaged in his career so i think it's just a really connected team that is very mature and if they do have a loss, which obviously they've only had three this year, that they're able to rebound and kind of figure out what went wrong. They've, they've become a much better defensive team as the season has worn on. Um, so I think that's the big part. I think the early success gave them confidence for this season, but now they're veterans and they're kind of handling some adversity right now pretty well. And guard Terrence Edwards Jr. is a bucket, 16.6 points per game. You know, How would you kind of describe his style of play? <laughs> frantic and sometimes out of control <laughs> but but that's okay that's him um they call him fat that's his nickname and fat's just a guy he's come so far um his freshman year which this is his fourth year now he's a redshirt junior they're going to honor him on on saturday hopefully he'll come back for one more season of that covid year but he's a guy that um, is a little awkward he's a little he's not the most athletic kid on on the floor but he can kind of contort his body. He'll spin. He'll get kind of awkward shots off. But he makes a lot of them. And when he came in as a freshman, he shot 47% from the free throw line. Now he's an 80% free throw shooter. And he shot over 40% from three a year ago. He's at about 35 right now. So he's improved his game a ton. He's gotten the gym. Um, he's a leader. This is his basketball team now. And you wouldn't have said that a few years ago. He was... 
he kind of has matured into that role and matured into his game. He's still a little frantic and out of control, and his body language probably could improve at times, but it has. And uh, he's he's an, he's just a, a tough player to defend because of all the, the different things that he can do. And look, this is an offense that can get up and down the court and score four guys, basically averaging double figures, uh, scoring almost 85 points per game, 14th there uh, in the nation. Really good offense for the Dukes, winners of four in a row. Uh, so, you know, when you see this offense, you know, up close and personal, uh, you know, give me some thoughts here on, on why you think it's been so impressive this season. I think it's their unselfishness. They average over 17 assists per game, and in college basketball, that's a lot. There's some teams averaging 10, 11 assists per game. They average 17 per game. They've had a game this year where they've had 27 assists in a game, 23 assists, but they're averaging over 17, and that's the most in a long time in JMU history. It's been a long time since they've had, um, I, I think, the trust to share the basketball. The three games they've lost, ironically, they've had 12 assists or less. So they haven't shared the ball as well. When they're sharing the ball, they're getting better shots, better looks, easier baskets are getting out and running in transition. That's a big strength of theirs, and that's why they score. Um, again, they're one of the fastest tempo teams in the country. When they got in transition, um, they're really, really dangerous. But they've shared the ball so well. They're not a great shooting team. They're okay. But when they get when they share the ball and, and can get better looks and, and maybe a, a decent, they, they get a great look as opposed to a good look, um, they're making more of those. So they just share the ball. They're very, very unselfish basketball team. Dave, who is the unsung hero on this team? Which student athlete do you think hasn't been shown enough love? I think it's probably Noah Friedel. Yeah. Um, he's a guy that came in last year, and I, I, I spoke about him earlier, but he came in last year from South Dakota State and had some pretty gaudy numbers. I mean, he was he was over a 40% three-point shooter, um, averaged over 20 points per game during one season at South Dakota State, and then things just didn't work out there. And when he came to JMU, a lot of people thought he was just a shooter. He's a three-point shooter. That's what he does. Well, Coach Byington says he's the toughest guy on that team. He's averaging over five rebounds per game, over six in league games. He had a stretch where he had six consecutive double-figure games, and he can still shoot the basketball almost 40% from three. So he's the guy that's doing a little bit of everything right now. He's rebounding. He's, again, he's got the most assists he's ever had in a season already. Um, he's, he's probably their top defender and their toughest guy. So he's probably the unsung hero. Um, he's starting to get a little bit more praise because he's starting to score the ball a little bit better, but they don't take him off the floor very often. In, in the last six games, he averaged 35 minutes per game because of how valuable he is. And one of those games, he was one for eight and had three points but they didn't want to take him off a four because of everything that he's doing. Dave, what's the biggest trend that you've noticed during this current four-game win streak? Defense. um, Their their defense has improved so much. They're holding opponents to 60 or less most of the time. Um, Some will sneak into the 70s, but their defense has improved, and that's one area that was a little bit of a concern going into the season is if they had enough guys that could could buy into what they want to do defensively. They've improved so much on the defensive side that they've got about three guys in their eight-man rotation that don't score the ball a ton, but they're really good defenders, and they can they can cause a lot of havoc on the perimeter. A guy like Raekwon Horton is another guy that kind of is an unsung hero for them coming off the bench, where he can just disrupt a game with his defense, his rebounding, whatever he can do. So I think defenses, they've made so much progress. They could always score the ball early in the season. They didn't defend as well as they're defending right now, and I think that's the biggest key and kind of the, kind of what this team has figured out as they've gone along. Dave Brigger, radio voice of the James Madison Dukes football and basketball here with us on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline. How have the crowds been at home? I believe you got two straight home games coming up? 
We do. Two more to wrap up the regular season, which is hard to believe. They'll have the last four games on the road. But they are second in the Sun Belt in attendance next to ODU, averaging um, over 5,000 per. And, again, that's been increasing with, with their success. And, again, the 22 wins that they have right now, that ties a school record for regular season wins with the 81-82 team that lost to Worthy and, and Jordan and Perkins in the NCAA tournament in the second round and won 24 games that year. But this, this, the, the crowd, they've been phenomenal. They've almost been sellouts the last three or four games. They've had over 6,000 mm. for, I think, seven consecutive games. So they're jumping on board. And I mentioned this after the game on Saturday when they uh, took down a very good Akron team. That this, they're doing something special. They're 22-3. and three. The most wins ever in a season is 24. And the Dukes have six regular season games left, plus the Sun Belt Tournament, hopefully more than that. This team is doing something special, and people need to pay attention. Where's the Sun Belt Tournament? It is in Pensacola, Florida. Ah, hey Dave. So we always appreciate you having the sh- having uh, the time to join the show here. Why don't you set the scene for tonight and give us a preview of the Georgia State Panthers at the JMU Dukes? Uh, Georgia State's a team that's a much different team than they were a year ago. They were last in the Sun Belt last year. They won three games, and that's it in the Sun Belt. They were 3-15. and 15. Um, Jonas Hayes is a former Georgia Bulldog. Um, he and his brother are on that staff. They were both former Georgia Bulldog players, uh, very good in their day. But they're trying to turn this program around. They've had some, some tradition, some history, um, but they were really bad a year ago. They transformed the roster, only four guys back from last year. And it's a team that had just lost six in a row but then they went to Louisiana, who had won six in a row and won that game. So it's a very capable team. They're five and seven in league play. It's a dangerous team um, with a couple of really good wings that they've got. Not a ton of big guys, but they've got some very good wing players, and it's a much different team than they were a year ago. So it's a dangerous team that, that can beat anybody. Um, but I think the Dukes will be in pretty good shape tonight. It's the first time they see them, then they'll play them again next week in Atlanta. Dave, always appreciate the time. Thanks so much. Thanks, bud. I appreciate you. Yep, that is Dave Riggert. Follow him on social media at Dave Riggert. And check him out tonight, the radio voice of the James Madison Dukes. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan. Now at 105-1 FM. Phone lines are open, 833-804-0910. That's 833-804-0910. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan. Now at 105.1 FM, phone lines are always open. We like to make this the most interactive radio show possible. Call in. You can be the quarterback or GM of this segment, 833-804-0910. That's 833-804-0910. You can tweet us at 910thefan, at AWOD Radio. Stubb, I'm getting a lot of action on my Twitter for our 1 p.m. interview. Coming up next, captain and point forward, for VCU, Sean Barristow will join the show. Sean Barristow ahead of the Rams' trip to St. Louis coming up next here on The Fan as we've got Stubb running the ones and twos. What's going on, Stubb? Heyo. Just checking in with you. Haven't haven't said hello to you yet today. I know. I, I you know I had a, a a lonely Valentine's Day. Oh, did but that's you really? Okay, but I know you didn't. Wait, hold on. I want to hear more about your lonely Valentine's. Well, no, Day. I just didn't. I don't know. I went to the gym and then I watched a movie and then oh, I, you went to the gym. I went to the gym. Nice. And you know what? Yeah. There were couples at the gym working out together. Oh, that's and so that, lame. That feels so lame. That's evil. Yeah. You know, because I you look around and most of the people there probably working out a bit more angry than they usually are. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, why am I here? You know, right, yeah. I need to improve myself. Was so that I have you? a t- No, no, no. I don't care. <laughs> but you know, everyone everyone looked a little more sweaty, a little yeah. more mad at the gym. You know, and that's there was a- 
That's two a great couples. bit. That's a great bit that because so you're working out at at Crunch Fitness, at Crunch. which is I work out too. Crunching. So we can kind of like keep each other accountable uh-huh. here. Yeah. Uh, as you know, I made it. I made a, a point on this show. I got too big during the end of football season. I was eating too much food. We were doing dude food every day. I was coming home starving from work, <laughs> and so I'm doing a post Super Bowl diet, trying uh-huh. to eat a little healthier. Now I didn't eat healthy last night, but trying to. Uh, I said. We're locking in. I told my girlfriend. I said, I'm locking in. in. I'm locking in until my trip to Brooklyn in March. So for the next 30 days, I'm hitting the gym. I'm eating healthy. I'm working off my end of football season bod. Because I turned into Patrick Mahomes when he took his shirt off. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I wish I had Patrick Mahomes' bod. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm, I'm running the elliptical. Yeah. I'm trying to, I wanted to see if I could, could run three miles, and I did. I okay. was proud of myself. I was now pretty they, out of they, shape. They do say that the elliptical is for losers. Well, that's like I, that's like the what like bodybuilders say. Oh, like well, gym, I'm not trying to be a bodybuilder. No, but like regular gym goers, they always say like the elliptical's so lame. Like look up TJ Watt, former NFL player, he went on a JJ Watt, not TJ. Okay. JJ Watt went on a whole rant about the elliptical. And then he went on a rant about how he wasn't able to use the gym in Vegas. Did you hear about that no, I didn't. Yeah, the gym wasn't open 24 hours and he wanted to hit a 7 a.m. workout and they wouldn't let him. Well, I'm going to keep hitting the elliptical there because I like it. All right. Well, I, I like you working out. I think it's oh, a good yeah. bit. And uh, I think we're going to get together um, at, for a workout after the show one day. Because I the audience, I've had some tweets. They want to know what Stubb looks like. <laughs> People don't really know what you look like, I'm Stubb. a mystery. Yeah, you're I, a mystery I, I think I'm a pretty handsome man. I, well, I think highly of myself. <laughs> I, I don't love your glasses, but that's just Yeah, me. I don't know what the whole glasses <laughs> thing is. They're, they're a hit. I used to have glasses. That's why. They're a hit. <laughs> I'm sure the, you you called them the Dahmer glasses once. Yeah, they're, they're the big round ones. Yeah, l- little frame, no frame action. If they're, they're such great. a hit, why were you alone on Valentine's? It's a Day? choice. Oh. I'm taking a break. Okay. <laughs> Did you get chocolate at night or anything? No, yeah. I, I got some. I got Ariana's. I picked up a sub. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's cute. Uh, yeah. So, you know. I decided that I was going to take the advice of Spider John. You got look yeah, yeah, when yeah. members of the AWOD army throw something out there, you listen to them. I did not take my girlfriend to Carytown, but we did do a romantic walk around romantic Scott's walk. edition, uh-huh. holding hands. I'm like, I'm sweating, my palms are sweating, <laughs> knees beat, arms are heavy. You know, but you know, the the walk did work. All right. Okay. She was fired up for the walk, went around you know the backside of Scott's edition, passed um uh, what is it called? The Veil, right? And then we walked by Black Lodge, and I said, I bet Black Lodge is doing a Valentine's Day-themed drink menu. And that's yeah. exactly what they had, yeah. right? So, um, you know, I got something that was called The Breakup. It was a weird name of a drink yeah, on Valentine's Day. <laughs> but it was delicious. Right. Um, and it had, like, chamomile and bitters and roses on top. It was probably a girly Ooh. drink, hey, but it was much better Valentine's than the one Day. that my girlfriend got, which was, like, Coffee and soda mixed together—it tasted like baking soda. It was so, so bad. Like kind of an espresso martini. Uh, yeah, thing. that's what she thought it was going to be, but it was awful. But it was. <laughs> yeah, but mine, mine was great. You okay, know? okay. Uh, so then after that, we had a late dinner at Pinkies. Pinkies. And that was expensive. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, yeah, it will be. You know, but um, here I, I did a good job because I yeah. got this text this this morning that said, "Let me let me pull it up so I can uh, read it exactly how it was said." Here was. I had the best Valentine's Day with you. Thank you for dinner and the card. That was the other thing. After Ooh, the uh, podcast, went to CVS, picked up a card. Card? Yep. Is that the only thing? The card, you know, it was really funny. It said, 
happy Valentine's Day. I cleaned up my place for you. And then I wrote, P.S. I, I like when you clean up my place. <laughs> All right. Because I, I well, did hey, actually not clean up my place. I, I, I told you just make it seem like you thought about it. Yeah. And it, I think... I think that went through. I, I think, think it that's it, yeah. it. Just you have to show that also, you had considered that it was coming up. I also got her a little, a uh, little bag, little right? bag, a little Ooh, bag, little and bag. inside of it, I didn't know it was her favorite cookie at the time, but Ooh. turns out it was the black and white cookie. You know what I'm black talking about? Black and white cookie. Yeah. I, 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 Oreo the, is coming to mind, but no, I don't think that's what you Google mean. Google black and white cookie. I, I, <laughs> you don't know. It's like the most popular cookie in the world. It's the most popular. You, you think black and white cookie You've that you can't even name is black more and white pop- cookie? How? Uh, yes, that's I have seen. That's the most seen. popular no, cookie uh, in the world. Chocolate it's, chip. No, no, no. M&M. Everyone loves the Sugar. black and white cookie. No, I, I'm not saying anything against it, but you're t- you're looking at me right now and saying it's the most popular cookie in the world. I, I, I can't believe you've never heard of the black and white cookie. You Wait, don't even what know what it's actually called, in? and you're going to tell me it's the most popular cookie. I, it's called the black and white cookie. I had it right all along. No, you Googled it. Yeah, I know. You, you think that's more popular than a chocolate chip cookie. You think when someone thinks cookie, that's the first thing that comes to their mind? fancy cookie, the black and white cookie is the go-to. Okay, well, now you're moving the goalpost. Well, (laughs) yes, probably. Uh, What else did you want to bring up on the non-sports story today, man? Let's see. Actually, I I don't don't know if I have any. I pulled something from Twitter that I want to discuss. Oh, speaking of girlfriends, all right, the Taylor Swift effect was real for this year's record-breaking Super Bowl. Okay. Female viewers, ages 12 to 17, up 11%. Okay. Female viewership ages 18 to 24 up 24 percent. Women also represented a total of 47.5 percent of the total audience. That's an all-time high. Wow, the Swifties. good numbers. Yeah, yeah. The, the Taylor Swift effect. People have been talking. If if her and and Travis get married and have a kid, we're gonna have a second baby boom. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> That's. A- I didn't think about that. I'm still. I, I hate to say this. I'm still tilted by all the Swifties out there that are celebrating a Super Bowl championship. I've waited in my entire life for the Commanders to even play in the big game. The last time they played in a big game was the year I was born. Yeah, I think. Yeah. 92. I was not alive. Right. <laughs> we haven't had any success. And now all of a sudden, you know, you know, female NFL viewers have been watching the game for five months. They finally figured out what it means when you throw the challenge flag, and they're celebrating a Super Bowl championship. I'm yeah, tilted. By I, it. I think complaining about I her kinda, screen I time is annoying. I wish is the annoying. 49ers would have won. Now I really <laughs> do because it's it's annoying. It's not the screen time. It's all the the Swifties celebrating like they were on the field themselves. It's unbelievable. Uh, all these girls were posted on social media of them watching the game wearing a shirt that said. Travis Kelsey's boyfriend, right? Or Taylor Swift's <laughs> Taylor boyfriend. Swift boyfriend. And it's just like, I don't know. I I was rooting for the Chiefs too, but now I, know, I wish you were, the 49ers You were all won. in. You were like, show more Taylor Swift. Well, I mean, I don't have a problem with showing her because I get sized for greatness, right? Uh-huh. Like, I love that the Chiefs are going to get a chance to go for a three-peat. Like, that's, to me, I think that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, you know, I've, I've been saying Patrick Mahomes is the Michael Jordan of the NFL. Like, anytime it's a clutch situation, he brings his best. Yeah. 13 seconds left, down by three against the Buffalo Bills. Ties the game, wins it in overtime. They had changed the overtime rule because of Patrick Mahomes. The first time we get to see that overtime rule, Patrick Mahomes still wins. <laughs> still wins. Did we, I send you the, the clip? Yes, of, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna. to. I want to play that clip there because Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey could not believe that the 49ers won the coin toss and then asked for the ball first. Let's play this. This is raw audio from NFL Films on the field of the Super Bowl. They want the ball. They wanted it. 
Hey, they want it. They wanted it, baby. We want them to have the ball. They want it. They can have it. <laughs> they want it. They can have it. They can have it. They got a field goal. 49ers lose the game because the Chiefs got a touchdown on the following drive. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan. Now at 105.1 FM, Sean Barstow, captain of your VCU Rams, coming up next. I drove over to Basketball Development Center yesterday. That conversation next on The Fan.